Brothers and sisters, it's uh, again, it's 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 a humble honor to share with you God's word. Uh, I know I can tell you honestly, there are times I think to myself, what can I what can I give? You know, what what is it that is, you know, what what is in me that I can give? You know, I, and, and there are times that um, there are a lot of doubts in my own mind about my abilities to to share with you, um, and, and my my own abilities. And and I guess I'm always reminded by the Lord just. Be faithful to what I've asked you to do. And I pray this morning that um, that you are encouraged in the word and that you are able to hold on uh, to Jesus because he is the, the rock, again, the rock of our salvation. I'll share with people during the week that um, we live in a world where people say today the world is very unstable. You know, you look around you and you look at COVID, you look at pandemics, you look at terrorism, you look at the situation in Afghanistan and you look at all situations you think, oh, my goodness, it's such an unstable world we live in and an unstable world we're bringing our kids into. And then I shared with these people, I said, but when has the world ever been stable? When has this world from its existence ever experienced stability? And I'm going to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that this world has never experienced stability. This world has always been unstable. Uh, from the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, there was instability. Throughout the whole history you read in the, New, in the Old Testament, there is instability. When Jesus came into a world, he came into a world that was very unstable. And the churches throughout all the church's history has experienced instability. This is the world we live in, that without Christ at the centre of anything, the, the, the rock, it's going to be unstable. And so what we turn to in this time of instability is not by our, our rescue, our solution is not in um, finding better laws, though, though the laws are important and we should be praying that good laws are put in place. Our comfort and our reassurance is knowing that the Lord is our rock. Because God, two, over 2,000 years ago, brothers and sisters, gave us a roadmap to freedom, didn't he? Over 2,000 years ago, the Bible tells us God had a roadmap, and that roadmap was a roadmap to be free. And it all began, and it was all summarised, if you like, in, in John 3.16. God so loved the world. That was the beginning of his roadmap, so to speak. He loved the world. It came from God. We can't love him unless he loved us first. That he gave his only begotten son. So in other words, he saw that the solution to the instability of this world and more importantly, the instability of your soul. And I believe, I believe there could be people sitting and listening this morning who experience in their soul an unrest and instability. A feeling of the things I want to do, I can't do in Christ even. Isn't that what this freedom is about today? Isn't the announcements today be able to listen to and hear the, the things I, I can't do and the things I'm going to be allowed to do. Well, God saw in your heart, God saw in your, in your own soul that in you was an inability to do the things you want to do, to do the things you need to do, and he found a roadmap out that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, put, his, put their faith in him, put their trust in him, won't perish but have everlasting life. And it doesn't matter how far you think you are from the Lord or how weak you, are, you think you are in living the way of Christ. It's not about that. It's the fact that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, there's a roadmap out to freedom, to now be able to do the things you need to do, the things deep down you want to do in Christ. 
This is your roadmap to freedom, brothers and sisters. And to remember that all these, all these promises are not found in churches, but they're found rather in Christ. We love the idea that God is steadfast. We love the idea that God hasn't changed. And we find a lot of uh, reassurance and comfort in knowing that our God is the God, the same God yesterday, today and forever. The same God that Abraham worshipped is the same God that we worship today. It's the same God we will worship forever in eternity. The Bible tells us in Lamentations 3, and I'll just read it out to you, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. There has never been never a time in history where God's compassions have failed. There's been never a time in history where God's put a pause and said, that's it, I'm done with my compassion. But rather, the Bible says, they are new every morning. Why does it even say they are new every morning? Why not even just say they are there every morning? It's almost like God wants to tell us it doesn't even get tired. My compassions don't even tire. I am constantly the same compassionate God every day. Great is your faithfulness. So because God is steadfast with his compassions and his mercies and his faithfulness, he says we are not consumed. So, yes, there's a lot of instability in the world today and there's always been instability in the world. But today, today, in light of all this, will you make your rock the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you rest your soul on the promises of Jesus Christ? Or will you continue to chase and chase and find heartache in trying to fix earthly things before you fix the most important thing, and that is a restless soul? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, keep praying for your church. I know there's a lot of people, I imagine there are people who are concerned about different things with these vaccine passports. They're concerned about them. What does it mean in terms of my family? What does it mean in terms of my work? What does it mean in terms of my social life? What does it mean in terms of my church? And there are people who are genuinely concerned, and I get it. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, listen, God is faithful and God is bigger than what is happening. And the way God has held us to remain steadfast and faithful to him all these years He's going to continue to keep us steadfast and faithful in the years to come if we continue to trust him. So don't worry of what's to come. Be assured that it's bigger than us. God is sovereign and God is in control. And keep praying for each other and keep praying for us because just like there has been a faithfulness and a commitment to never deviate from the things of the Lord. So today there is a commitment that we will never deviate from the things of the Lord, whatever that looks like. And when the church leaders meet every fortnight on a Monday night, when they, lead, when they meet every fortnight and we discuss many things in relating, to, relating to the church, take heart, brothers and sisters, because when I watch and I sit in these meetings with the others, you know what my encouragement is? Not that we are all knowledgeable and, and we've got everything worked out and, and everything and we're perfect in our knowledge. No. My encouragement is this on a Monday night when we meet together, 
that in their hearts there is a love for the truth, a love for each other and a love for you. And because of this, because of this, I believe God will keep us walking faithfully the way we should go as a church. So keep praying. Don't panic. Pray, rather, and trust God who has always carried us faithfully will continue to carry us into the future. I believe that, and I believe that with my heart. That whether it's like um, Daniel in the Old Testament who chose in the midst of changing laws to open his windows and pray, if that's what God calls us to do, we'll do that. Or whether it's like Peter when, when Jesus said to him, Peter, uh, of whom do the kings ask for taxes, their sons or the, free, or, the, or the strangers? And Peter says, well, the strangers. And then Jesus says to him, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast a hook, take the fish that comes up first, and when you've opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money, take it and give it to them from me and you. In other words, pay the tax. So whether it's the opening of the windows or whether it's the paying of the taxes, God is going to give us wisdom and guidance and lead us in the right way. You see, brothers and sisters, continue to pray. Pray, most importantly, that at the end of the day, we render the Caesars what is Caesars and to God what is God's. And I believe God doesn't leave his children as they seek him and they cling on to him. Be comforted. Be reassured. God is the God of this church and God is the God of his kingdom. And if we put our trust in him and remain faithful to him, we will never go astray because he is faithful. He is faithful. But as soon as self creeps in, as soon as self creeps in, then we're at risk. But as long as we keep our eyes on the Lord, we've got to remain steadfast. And so this morning, brothers and sisters, I want to share with you some reflections and some thoughts and some stories around this idea of being steadfast because this is absolutely critical in a time where it's, there is lots of instability. But the church, and, more, and just as importantly, the Christian remains steadfast. Now imagine for a moment, and I'm going to read for you some scriptures. It's going to be like a little you know, cross-referencing of scriptures, but I want to get you to turn to a couple of passages as well. But imagine this, someone comes up to me and says, oh, look, Barry, it's okay. Um, why don't you just stop loving your wife? Uh, why don't you um, stop being faithful to her? Why don't you um, uh, um, just, just go ahead and just, just break your vows to her? <laughs> what, what are you going to think? What are you going to think about that person who's coming up to me and his counsel to me is to stop loving my wife, to stop being faithful to her and to start breaking my vows? What are you going to think of him? Going to think something's wrong with him. There's something strange. This is weird. Why is he telling someone to somehow to neglect his wife, the one, the one he made vows to, the one he promised uh, for better and worse, for sickness and health, to death do us part? Why would, why would he discourage him from doing this? What about if the same man came up to me and said, look, Barry, look, love her, love her. But, you know, the whole vows thing, it's okay if you slip up sometimes because you're human. What are you, you going to think of this man's counsel? What are you going to think of this man's advice who says to me, it's okay because you're human, you're going to slip up sometimes. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't take your vows so seriously. 
because you're going to wear yourself out. What are you going to think of this man? For sure you're going to think something's wrong with him. He's a bit strange. What's wrong? Did he have bad experiences himself? And yet, for some reason, in the church today, when I say the church, I mean around the world, in the church today, there is this acceptance that it's okay, that it's normal to, to, to slip up and to, and, to, and to break our vows. And, and it's okay. Don't stress about it. In fact, expect it to happen, that there's this kind of normality around it rather than an acceptance of the truth and the word of God that tells us to press on and to remain steadfast in the Lord. Jesus said, you are going to be my disciples if you abide in my word. (laughs) What does he mean by that? This is the evidence that you are my disciple because you remain in my word. And so can I do this in my strength? Can I do it in my own wisdom and my own knowledge? Or can I do it by drawing on the strength of the Lord? Can I do it by remaining humble before the Lord? And so this idea of remaining steadfast to the Lord is is consistent throughout the Scriptures. And it's a beautiful reflection because we're reminded that God is a God who is able and that we we are removed. We are removed from trusting in ourselves to trusting in the one who is able to keep us from falling. I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read one verse out. And then after, I'm going to get you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. But if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to go right to the very last verse in that chapter. And now in the context of this is Paul is communicating to the church of Corinth their eternal glories, this idea of his contrasting the earthly with the heavenlies. He's contrasting perhaps you could say our experiences on this earth and our experiences to come. And that climax, and he says something like this, oh, death, where is your sting? As if to say when it comes to that point, not even death can conquer what is to come. And in light of this context, he says something to them. He he decides that the application is going to be this. Perhaps he could have said anything. He could have said something like, oh, don't forget your hopes in heaven. Or he could have said other, perhaps other ways of making an application when he was contrasting earth and heavenly. But he chose to make this the application. He tells the church this and he tells you and me this. He says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Three things. Three things that he communicates here to the church in light of the contrast of the earthly and the heavenly glories to come. Because you know what? I think sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up with the sufferings of this earth. And perhaps sometimes the temptation is to think, what's it all worth? What's the what's the point of it all? Is it going to change anything anyway? Is it going to make a difference anyway? And Paul says something very significant, three things. He says, firstly, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to stay on track. Steadfast is another way of saying don't stay on, like, you know, someone says stay on the track, like, like a train on the, on the tracks and it's moving in one direction. You don't see a train go like this, do you? 
you know, turning left, right, left, right. It doesn't do this. It stays on a track. And the Bible says, you know what, as Christians, I want you to do this. I want you to remain steadfast. And then he says something else. He says, I want you to be immovable. Now, I think very similar word, very closely related. But what he's basically saying, I think, is that if you stay steadfast, this is going to increase your chances or the opportunity never to be moved. If you stay steadfast, it's going to decrease the possibility for you to move or to be derailed off the track because you're being steadfast. You're going to be immovable. How beautiful is that? Now, brothers and sisters, listen very, very carefully to my next point. Steadfastness is not stubbornness. It's not someone who says, no, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm not going to move. I, I, I don't care what people say to me. This is what I think. Steadfastness is not being strongly opinionated. That's not that either. Steadfastness is not even shouting what you think. You know, sometimes I see video clips or YouTube clips of pastors who make a point about a certain thing and they're like they're screaming and they're, they're shouting, you know, don't do this and do this and you can't do this. And it's like they're very passionate. You think, whoa, look at the spirit of God. And people are tempted to think, oh, these guys are, are passionate, godly men who, who preach with power. No, it's not. That's the, doesn't mean anything like that. That could be carnal, talking from their flesh, shouting because they're frustrated with something. Steadfastness is not stubbornness. It's not being strongly opinionated. It's not even uh, uh, being passionate and loud about something. Steadfastness is remaining faithful to the things of God. If that requires you to be loud, you're loud. If it requires you to be soft, you're soft. But steadfastness is being faithful to the things of the Lord. And he asks them to be steadfast and immovable. And then he says something interesting. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I find this really significant because it's like he's trying to say to them, while you're remaining steadfast and while you're remaining immovable and you're getting through this life in a way that you want to remain consistent and faithful to the things of God, remember, it's not only about this. Remember, God has given you a purpose and a reason for your existence, and that is to get on with the work that has to be done. Continue to abound in the work of the Lord, whether it's in your home with your children, whether it's out in the community on the streets, whether it's in your workplace or even in the church, whatever it is, continue to be abounding in the things of the Lord. You are not called to sit on a couch and do nothing. You're not called to sit at your computer and just listen to sermons all day. You are called to be abounding in the work of the Lord. You're called to come like Samuel, who says, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. Lord, what is it that you have me to do? This is not some uh, ministry that everyone's going to applaud me for, but whatever you call me to do, whether it's a simple phone call to a brother in the church or whether it's praying consistently for a sister in the church, what do you call me to do, Lord? And I believe when we're abounding in the work of the Lord, where, where God has brought us to a place to remember that it's not just being steadfast and immovable, but there's purpose in that. Go and be abounding in his work. Because, he says, your labour is never, is never 
in vain. How beautiful is that? You see, remaining steadfast and immovable, it's not like it's like a tug of war, you know, that game, tug of war. And sometimes you can think the Christian life is just just holding on, just just holding on, and just just holding on, and, and every everything else is consumed by just holding on. But God is wanting us to hold on like that tug of war, but not at the neglect of all the work that has to be done. Your life isn't to be consumed with just holding on. But while you're holding on, Lord, what is it you have me to do? Let me abandon the work of the Lord because my labour is never in vain in the Lord. And even if the enemy or our flesh sometimes says to us, oh, what's the point? What's it going to matter anyway? What's it going to change anyway? Is it really going to make a difference in this person's life? Then you've got to remember the Bible doesn't say because your results are not in vain in the Lord, does it? Does it say because all your awesome results are not in vain in the Lord, your defeats and your successes, or does it say your labour is not in vain in the Lord? What you do for the Lord is not in vain. So go, put your hand to the plough. Go, step out in the things of the Lord. Go into a place that perhaps isn't comfortable for you or you're not used to doing. Get up off the couch and move in an area God is asking of you and allow the time that we're in to be God to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. Go and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness because your labour, brothers and sisters, is never in vain in the Lord. Paul and Silas had this experience in prison, didn't they? As they were, uh, they, they were bound in chains and they were there in the, in the, in the prison being watched and, and I think it was around midnight and they were, rather than drowning in their miseries and their sorrows and just trying to hold on, here they were praising God. And the result of them praising God or abounding in the work of the Lord, as a result of them doing this, uh, there's an earthquake, and, and by the end of it, the jailer himself is brought to the Lord. That even in this time of misery, there is salvation. They are labouring for the things of the Lord, and they see beautiful fruits. Him, the jailer, and his household come to the Lord. How beautiful. So the apostle is encouraging us to be steadfast and to be immovable and to always abound in this work. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you, keep going, keep moving. Your labour is not in vain. Allow the Lord to strengthen, remain steadfast because the Lord can deliver. The Lord can deliver. And the Lord is faithful to deliver his people. Remember Lot? I wanted you to turn to um, 2 Peter, please. 2 Peter chapter 2. I want to read a passage from 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at Lot, who uh, um, God demonstrated his faithfulness toward, despite the, the pressures of society, despite the godlessness of society. Remind you of a time? 
remind you of a time you've experienced, remind you of a time perhaps you might be in now. And God reminds us with Lot and Peter, despite Lot's life, but despite the way Lot lived, Peter chose to tell us this about Lot. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, despite the pressures of society and despite the the pressures that seem to be uh, moving in, God is faithful. Who are you trusting? Where do you put your rest? God is strong. God is mighty. God is not moved by things of this earth. God is moved by his will and his glory. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse um, from verse 4, the Bible says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, this is very powerful language. God is not a God of partiality. The angels sinned, they were cast out of heaven. The angels didn't remain steadfast. They were released. They were cast away. So the angels, God for God did not spare, if sorry, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and there will be a judgment to come. The Bible says that uh, um, there is death and then there is judgment. And did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people. Are you surprised? If not many, if not many, uh, see your opinion, see your, see the truth, rather. Are you waiting for uh, um, thousands of people to agree with you? One of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, this is where Lot lived, uh, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward who would live ungodly. So we're going to be praying for this world. This world is in danger of a great judgment. Why are we fighting with them when we should be praying for them? Why is there any hate in our heart towards them or bitterness? When we we should see that their their condemnation draws nigh. The Bible says this, verse 7, and he delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Do you feel like that sometimes? You're not doing the filthy conduct. That's a different oppression. That's called your conscience and conviction of sin. But when it's around you, your your soul is, is burdened by it. You look at how they treat, how people treat children and, and, and laws that come in that against the things of God. And, and, and you look at how uh, you know, partners treat each other in marriages and you look at all this, this abuse that goes on and all the other and, and, and perhaps above all things, the distortion of God's truth. And doesn't it, doesn't it somehow grieve your soul? And rightly so. 
and he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. This man experienced what you and I experience. He he understood the societal pressures around him. He understood the lawlessness around him. Well, when I say he understood, he experienced it. And his soul, the Bible says, was tormented because of it. Then, verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. This is such a beautiful verse. Before we choose to do anything, we have to believe that the Lord is able to deliver the godly out of temptations. We have to believe that it's not the arm of man that delivers, but the arm of the Lord that delivers. And before we try and use the the voice of man, let's seek the heart of God and let's trust in the power of the Lord to make all things clear and make our path straight. You see, the Lord is able to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and they despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. We trust that the Lord can deliver. Whatever that looks like, we trust the Lord can deliver us. This is our hope. And the church ought to walk with this humble confidence. Let us be our light brothers and sisters. When the world is freaking out, what are we doing? This has been taken away from us. Let them see the church restful like the city of Goshen, lit up in a time of darkness. At peace, knowing we speak when we ought to speak, we're silent when we ought to be silent. We give to Caesar as ought to be given, we give to God as ought to be given. There is rest because we trust in the living God. When we ought to be bold and give up our lives, we're bold and give up our lives. If they take us to the stake, we're, we're, I mean, figuratively, as they did in the in times past, then they take us to the state. But if we are silent and we pay as we ought to pay, we pay. This is God leading his people because they put their trust in him. God is able to deliver the righteous out of temptation. Hold on, brothers and sisters, hold on like Lot did. Not so much the case for Lot's wife, though sadly, who didn't hold on. And as they escaped Sodom and Gomorrah and they were instructed, keep going, keep going, don't look back because that's not steadfastness. That's being movable. But the Bible's instruction is be steadfast and be immovable. And as Lot ran forward, Lot's wife decided to take a peek back. Now, 
That's another sermon in itself. What was she peeking back for? What was she looking back for? Where was her heart? A whole range of things. And she turns into a pillar of salt. True story. Remain steadfast in the things of the Lord because the Lord is able to deliver. You see, when Daniel chose to not obey the laws of the land and found himself in the lion's den, he knew in his heart of hearts, he trusted, I believe, and knew that he served a God who's able to deliver him. Perhaps, perhaps, and only perhaps, when he was in the den of the lions, he was quoting this psalm. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Daniel remained steadfast. And because of his steadfastness, he found himself in Baba. But I believe his heart rested in a God who's able to deliver him. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. If the, if the Lord's at your right hand, who is going to come against us? I shall not be moved steadfast. Abraham was steadfast and was delivered. When the situation seemed impossible, the circumstances beyond him humanly, and him and his wife of old, old age, Still, in this time, God said, you will have a child. And the Bible tells us that Abraham did not waver. What does waver give us a picture of? No steadfastness. Wavering is like that. The difference between a boat and a train. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Remember, because it's faith, it's trust to continue on track, but was strengthened in faith and then giving glory to God because God is able to deliver. So, brothers and sisters, if you can take from today a real conviction that God is calling the church and all the pressures around us to remain steadfast and faithful, not stubborn and opinionated, but steadfast and faithful, knowing that if we trust him, God is able to bring all good things to pass and able to deliver us according to his perfect will. Because as Jude tells us, brothers and sisters, now to him who is able to keep you, me, us, now to him, God, who is able to keep you, from stumbling, yeah, here we go. He's the opposite to, to steadfast again. Someone who stumbles is someone who falls, trips, uh, uh, gets off course, has no sure standing or sure footing. He's able to keep you, keep you, stop you, prevent you, guard you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Brothers and sisters, that's my mark. When we talk about press toward the mark, that's my mark because that's where our faith should lie, in a God who is able to do above what we ask 
and think. And if your soul is restless this morning because it's looking, um, if you like, horizontally rather than vertically, and I pray that you find your rest in the rock of your salvation, that you would remain steadfast in the things of the Lord, knowing that day to day, if you are bound, your labour is not in vain, and also knowing that he is able to keep you from stumbling. I pray that the words uh, are able to go deep into your heart and to, uh, uh, and to move you not just to action but to move you to a faith that is grounded in, the, in who God is, who God is, the greatest leader, the greatest authority. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Let's keep praying for one another. Let's keep caring for one another. Let's keep looking out for one another. And let's keep trusting together that the Lord will carry us moving forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing all over the world, the work that you're doing even through this pandemic and the work that you're doing in the church, in our church and in our hearts. Father, may we continue to be digging deep, not in our own strength where the roots will uh, dry up and wither, but in you, Lord, and be planted deeply along the waters of life. Father in heaven, to be a, 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 a immovable because we are grounded in who you are and in you alone. Father, bless every member of this fellowship. Bless every person who listens and is hungry for truth. And together, my Lord, may you guard us, guide us, lead us, protect us because we put you first and we make you Lord. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you continue, Lord, to strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.